questions haunt every life, writes Andy Crouch. The first, what are we meant to be? And the second, why are we so far from what we're meant to be? Hello and welcome to Restoring the Soul, a podcast dedicated to helping you close the gap from what you're meant to be and what keeps you from being all that. I'm your producer, Brian Beatty. Thank you for listening to Restoring the Soul. Today, Michael continues and concludes his discussion with Julianne Cusick on the five things husbands can do to support their wives after betrayal. This is one of the most important podcasts we've ever produced. Now, Julianne Cusick specializes in issues related to the recovery of the heart for women. Now, the advice that she gives in this particular discussion comes from first-hand experience and an empathy that is grounded in compassion and love. Julianne longs for women to be healed, not limping along with a gaping wound for all the world to see. Now, by the end of this podcast, I think you'll agree that hope is certainly attainable after a betrayal, and there needs to be an agreement and understanding that healing does not happen in a vacuum or overnight. It requires a willing effort to rebuild trust from both sides. So without any further delay, here's your host, Michael John Cusick. Hey, Brian Beatty, thank you so much for handing it over to me. We are in another episode with my bride, Julianne Cusick. Last time we talked about five truths or facts that wives need to know after betrayal. And today we're talking about five things that men can do to support their wives after betrayal. So, Julianne, thanks for coming back into the studio as we are high on the fourth floor of the Academy Center overlooking the Old Chicago Pizza and Denny's. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me again. And a warm greeting to all of our listeners. Thanks for tuning in. So, a quick review of betrayal in the last episode. You talked about those five facts and truths for women. Yes. Uh, What is betrayal and what is betrayal trauma? Just very briefly. Betrayal is not living up to really your own standards and uh, withholding um, or outright lying to cover the truth. And that is traumatic. It is. And trauma is any type of wound or injury situation that causes somebody to feel um, unsafe Um, specifically in, um, as we talk about, intimate partner, betrayal, trauma, unsafe in a committed relationship. And so examples of what could cause betrayal trauma to a wife or intimate partner? Um, A disclosure from her husband of behaviors that she doesn't know about. Um, It could be anything from, you know, not filing taxes to watching pornography. Um, Many times it's a betrayal that women um, stumble upon themselves, which when they stumble upon it, um, it actually is an extra level of uh, trauma uh, and betrayal because the person isn't coming to them and disclosing. They've been discovered and found out. Um, versus being forthcoming. So it kind of blindsides them. It does. And so there's a definite um, shock to their system when they turn on the family computer and up pops porn. Um, Or they discover texts from another woman, you know, with winks and kisses, um, or I'll see you later, uh, or emails of a sexual nature, or discovering pictures. Um, 
So it takes many, many, many forms. Um, but the impact is the same or at least very, very similar. It's a shock to the system. So in the last episode, and as you do work with women, this is mostly around sexual betrayal, like infidelity, sexual addiction, etc. But you alluded to like not paying the taxes. And I've worked with couples where there is a major, major betrayal around debt. So uh, a husband who has racked up, you know, twenty-five or a hundred thousand dollars in credit cards, and the spouse doesn't know about that, or you know, when a foreclosure happens and, and something like that. So it can really be around any breach of trust that is discovered or disclosed to them. Uh, yes, it's true. I will say that, and um, betrayals that are sexual in nature have a significantly greater impact. Um, on the human heart and the female soul. So let's jump into the five things that men need to know in terms of how they can support their wife in her healing journey from betrayal. Sure. Number one, um, the first thing is to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. If your wife is ever going to trust you again, she really needs to know that you're committed to telling her the truth in real time. Um, so if you're struggling, tell her about your struggling. If you've done things in the past that you want to keep in the past, it's still hidden in the darkness. And it really, for your healing and her healing, it needs to be brought into the light. Um, so uh, that's something that personally I experienced with you 25 years ago was a real commitment to you um, telling me everything. And that's a brutal process. But because of your commitment to um, integrity, like that's the that was the soil in which the trust that I have for you grew. So, and I needed to stop lying because right alongside my sexual addiction, I was a uh, compulsive liar, and sometimes not by telling lies. One of my favorite quotes, by the way, is some of the most dishonest people have never actually told a lie. I was very dishonest because I was just portraying a me that really wasn't me. So um, I, I've heard men say, you know, I don't want to tell her about this slip up or this uh, acting out because I don't want to hurt her. And I'll often say hurt her, hurt her, <laughs> because, because not telling her and then the inevitable finding out will be more traumatic. It absolutely is. There's a little saying that um, I'm pretty fond of, hurt me with the truth, don't comfort me with a lie. Ah, that's good. And I haven't worked with a woman yet who has said, oh, no, lie to me, I'd rather be comforted. Um, they, What they can't deal with is the lies and the half-truths. Uh, what they can deal with is the truth, um, because that's what's real. And so it's just a fallacy and a, a story we tell ourselves that, oh, we can't we can't tell them. And it's not telling her that's going to hurt her. It's actually what you did that hurt her. And so not telling her hurts her more. Um, many times women will say it's the fact that you didn't tell me hurts me more than what you did. Right. Like I can handle the fact that you uh, looked at porn or had an affair like intellectually, you know, I can understand based on whatever. Um but what I can't understand is I've been a faithful wife to you for 10, 20, 30 years. Why wouldn't you trust me to tell me the truth? Like, ouch, that's the betrayal that, that hurts the most. And all of that really reveals a deeper wound in the man. Uh, sexual addiction has been called false intimacy, and some have spoken of it in terms of an intimacy disorder. And intimacy is really impossible if I can't let you see 
and know certain parts of me. That's like pseudo-intimacy. Absolutely. So what's number two? Uh, number two is to share about your recovery. Um, many men exclude their wives um, from their recovery journey. And, and you know, so they'll go to their, you know, 12-step meeting or they'll go to counseling and then they never say a word about anything to their wives. And their lives are, their wives are left wondering and worrying about what's he doing? Is he making any progress? Is he growing? You know, what's happening? Is is he struggling? Is he not? Um, many men will tell their wives, you know, oh, well, I'm done with that. I'm not struggling anymore. And women find that really hard to believe um, that somebody who has struggled for, again, 10, 20, 30, 40 years suddenly is not struggling anymore. They feel much more um, safe knowing um, yeah, gee, I struggled and I was tempted to look at porn, but I didn't do it. I, I reached out to a buddy and, you know, we went for a run together or we played golf together or something. Um, and that way the husband is then turning towards his wife instead of away from his wife. And his addictive behaviors have been turning away from his wife. So the more he turns towards her and shares about his recovery, letting her in, um, not telling her, oh, these are all the things I'm doing. See, I'm different. I've changed. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in real time um, saying, yeah, I was tempted. And, um, you know, here's what I did. Either, you know, I stumbled and, you know, I acted out or I didn't. Here's how I handled it. And here's what I'm learning about, you know, my triggers and my process. And um, that just lets the wife in. And and not just disclosing, quote unquote, sin, or compulsive behaviors that cross boundaries. But what was so hard for me to learn, and I'm still learning, is uh, not the confession of wrong, but the confiding of need. And I've, I've just thought this is a really big thing. So for example, a husband in recovery, instead of saying, hey, I lusted three times today and I looked at porn twice this week and I haven't told you, if that's the case, then that needs to come out. But to say, I'm learning to identify my feelings and I realize that I just walk around with a deep loneliness inside and it's not about you wife it's about my inability to connect and so those kinds of things that confiding often will take root deeper uh, down and further along on the recovery journey but it's not just the 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 sharing of sinful behavior yeah no I'm not talking about superficial struggles I'm talking about what you're learning about uh, yourself and the deeper issues underneath just like you said hey I'm aware of this and um, this is what I'm learning about and actually turning towards the wife confiding the struggles and, and what you're learning about yourself through the journey and the process of recovery can actually be a, a bridge to building emotional intimacy and trust in your relationship that's a that's going to be a different thought for many people that it's actually a bridge as opposed to oh no this is the thing that if i share this she will think less of me she's going to be mad she's going to divorce me but it's it's that vulnerability and that openness in surfing for god i talk about this contrast between accountability and accessibility and accountability is check you know plus for I didn't act out and minus for I did act out. And that can be very behavioral and it can be superficial. But accessibility is this idea that you're talking about, about I'm going to come to you and you have access to my heart, 
to my inter, my inner world, my thoughts, my experiences, and especially how that plays out on this journey. Again, um, you know, I, I have had a long, long period of recovery, freedom, healing, sobriety, but I'm still doing my work, and I'm st- still learning how to uh, be accessible and to allow you access to my heart and my inner world. And that brings us to number three, be available for your wife. And not just physically available, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually um, available. It includes taking accountability for what you've done, um, but not just for the behavior, taking accountability and ownership for the impact that's had on her. Um, And then um, not only sharing uh, about what you're learning about yourself, but listening to her, hold space for her, um, listen to her hurt, her anger, ask her about the impact that this is having on her um, and own that impact. Um, it wasn't your intent to get up and go out and devastate your wife, um, but that's, that's what happened. That's the impact of your choices and your behaviors and own that. Um, pursue her, hold space for her feelings, her hurt, her pain, her anger. Um, become an expert on your wife. Get to know her. Ask her what she needs in this process. Um, fight to win her back. Um, you can't do that if you're not available or just going through the motions. Jules, what would you say to the man who's listening who says, I, I really want to sit and listen to my wife and understand and hear the impact, but I can't do that without, you know, in 20 seconds feeling defensive like I want to react, like I've got a knot in my chest and, and, and shame or anger yeah, just wells yeah. up. Yeah, it, de- it definitely can um, ignite the shame spiral uh, for men. And I think that's part of the, the journey um, that they're on and the growth um, that they need to pursue and something they need to press into. Um, it can be a trigger for them, um, but it's it's something that th- they don't get a pass for that um, long-term they might be able to say, um, you know, I, you have every right to share and I, you know, want to be in a place where I can, can listen and support you and own this. But everything in me is screaming, you know, that uh, I'm an effing loser and I'm never going to, um, you know, I'm never going to heal and recover and I'm a useless piece of garbage Um, And I'm putting that all mildly, Um, but it's really his work to go and work out his shame, um, work out the lies of how he's beating himself up to be able to be in a place where he can sit and hold space for her and say, oh, my goodness, I am so sorry. It devastates me to no end um, what I have done, the impact of what I have done on you. Uh, and and I want to put a little commercial in here. When the man has the ability to hold space and hear his wife, his focus and the energy of his heart is on her. When he goes into the spiral and all the lies and all the shame, his focus is still on him. He's navel gazing and it leaves her so alone in the relationship, abandoned again. And so it's, it's a really unhealthy, damaging dynamic that's very common. And it's really important for men to really kind of try and get their head around that. There's a place for you to process all of your own stuff somewhere else. Um, 
but what your wife needs from you is to hear um, hold space for her and, and, and let her hear the impact of what um, your behaviors have had on her really for it to be about her and I'm not trying to throw myself under the bus but so much of our journey of recovery was me not blaming you because I think I had a lot of grace to know this was all about me. Well, you blame me about other things, but... That's right. <laughs> but the the fact that as you needed to be heard and wanted to be heard, I would have such strong internal reactions that were really about shame and really about trauma and I would even say really about warfare where there were flaming arrows coming at me and I struggled for so long with self-hatred I never learned that that was actually my body reacting. And I wish I had known much earlier on that, oh, this is my nervous system. And we've talked a lot about neurodiversity lately in our relationship. And and without me uh, being invited by you and me taking steps to go to counseling for trauma and other things, um, it became, it, it would have just been a cycle where you would have been alone and not heard, and it would have always turned back on me. You know, we always joke about that phrase, well, enough about me, let's talk about me. And that's just almost reflexive for me. So I'm sharing this personally to give men permission to say, yes, I am an angry, reactive uh, person that has shame inside of me that makes it really difficult to sit with the woman I love and to hear her truth without it becoming about me. Yes. And and I want to say one of the gifts that you gave me, and you, you may not be aware of this right now as you're sharing about you know your own inner reactivity, um, but you wept and and deeply grieved over having hurt me. And that was pure gift to me. You let my pain impact you. That's what I'm talking about. Another emotional moment here in the studio, um, because that feels good to hear, but that, that brings up 26 years ago coming up. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I'm right back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. So we, we try to keep this real. And thank you for speaking those words. Um, you know, I'd like to take some credit for that, but that was a season that was just pure grace mm-hmm. where I was being carried. And that's what I needed. Mm-hmm. What's the next one? Number four is show her, don't tell her. Um, um, many men like to talk about all of the activities that they're doing, the Bible study they're doing, the praying, the discipleship, the 12-step, and it's just words, and your words have really lost power and meaning uh, because many of your words were lies or half-truths or held um, empty promises, Um, and so your wife's been wounded by your words. So um, words are going to hold little uh, to no value to her and sometimes can be even hurtful to wives. So um, there's a difference between telling her about your behaviors, which I'm saying don't do, and telling her about your inner world and your struggles, which I'm saying do do. Um, So I want to distinguish that, that they are different. 
you can show her that you're changing through your behavior, not through a list of activities that you're doing. Um, and true change, she will experience at a heart level um, by how you respond to her. So if we look at um, number three with being accessible and available to her, if she's always met with lies, defensiveness, blaming, um, you know, avoiding or skirting the question, um, that's not going to build trust and safety for her. Um, but if there's a growing um, ability on the husband's part to be present, to sit with her, um, to be impacted by her, um, change begins to happen. Um, responses are, are different, and, and wives feel that. I've talked to so many uh, well-intentioned men who say, you know, she's still angry or she still cries or she still uh, wants to talk about this and she doesn't see all that I'm doing. <laughs> yep, that would be what I'm talking about. And and again, it's um, the behavior is not that you're going to X number of meetings or reading X number of books, but are you more patient? Are you less irritable? Are you able to listen? Are you more reactive? Can you just sit down and be present? Um, you know, it's hard to experience the presence of God, practicing the presence of God, if we can't be present to ourselves. And people that struggle with addictive behaviors, we are not present to ourselves. you know, almost by definition. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it's hard to be present with another person. Those are the kinds of changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I hate to say this could be another podcast, but it could be. Um, I did a training on uh, emotionally focused uh, therapy attachment and addiction and it was so powerful it wasn't uh, focused on um, sexual addiction or compulsivity but I, I think it certainly fits this uh, but the the research and the data is showing that from from teens that are in wilderness programs or residential treatment programs to um, adults who struggle with drug addiction or alcohol addiction when they're emotionally connected and and they are feeling attached right to their partner it's, it's not even in their realm to use at that point and so the path to healing really is through that emotional connection yeah there's that ted talk uh where the whole idea of it it may even be called the opposite of addiction is not sobriety the opposite of addiction is connection yeah yeah number five number five men be patient you have known about your struggles for years. She may just be finding out. Um, it's a significant betrayal and trauma to her reality. She may be finding out not just about um, your behaviors that are hurtful and harmful. She may be finding out about past traumas in your own life. Um, and so this, this has an impact on her as well. Um, she needs time and she needs to support to process all of this. Your recovery is going to take time. Um, clinically, studies show three to five years as a minimum. Um, so her recovery takes time as well. Um, so give, give her time. Um, be patient with her. Uh, be patient with forgiveness. Um, we talked about this in the previous podcast that many men are saying, well, hey, you haven't forgiven me yet. How can we move forward? And forgiveness cannot happen 
when a person is in a state of trauma. And so that needs to be put on the back burner. And things like truth, honesty, uh, being forthcoming, disclosing everything, those things need to happen. You kind of have to... Um, it's like a wound that's infected. You you can't just put a Band-Aid on it. You need to take the Band-Aid off, clean out the wound. You might even need to move away some layers of skin to make sure all the infection is gone. Um, so that takes time. Um, his recovery takes time, and her recovery takes time. Give her what she needs. Uh, provide for her financially. Uh, pay for her to go to therapy if she desires that. And I, I recommend if a, a woman uh, wants to go to therapy for support, not for treatment, but for support, to find somebody that's really trauma-informed, um, that's not uh, following a, a sex addiction, co-addiction uh, model, uh, the codependency model. Um, you can hear about that in our previous podcast. Um, but really somebody that's um, trauma-informed to, to provide trauma-informed care and support uh, for your wife. Um, take care of the kids. Uh, give her downtime. Um, do what you can to relieve some of the stress and burdens that she carries because right now she's trying to hold everything together um, and she needs time and space to heal and grieve and process. So men, be patient. So in summary, I'm kind of thinking that if there's just one thing that a husband can do to support and help help his wife heal from betrayal trauma, I'm kind of taking all these five and mixing them together, and it's do your work, pursue wholeness and healing, and then that becomes the gift to the wife. Absolutely, and doing your work is not just attending meetings and reading books and going to counseling. It's really getting underneath the waterline to the to the different um, uh, roots of what's fueling um, the addictive behavior and then being a qualitatively different person in relationship to your partner. Such good stuff. Um, I can't wait for us to sit down again in the studio with uh, future conversations about meaningful things to help heal the heart and heal relationships. So Julianne Cusick, so good to talk with you and to hear your wisdom. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me here. It's always uh, an honor and privilege. And um, women, I'm rooting for you. So thank you for listening to another episode of Restoring the Soul. We want you to know that Restoring the Soul is so much more than a podcast. What we're all about is helping couples and individuals get unstuck. You know how some people go to counseling or marriage therapy for months or even years and never really get anywhere? Our intensive programs help clients get unstuck in as little as two weeks. To learn more, visit RestoringTheSoul.com. That's RestoringTheSoul.com.